May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad that you're here today. I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video feed. Uh, I want to show you a picture. Um, this is a picture of the Matterhorn. This is one of the highest peaks in the Alps. The reason I'm showing you this picture is that a few years ago in our small group, the very first night of small group, we passed out this picture to every person in the group, and we said this. We said, since we know God answers prayer and is the only one that can move mountains, right on top of your mountain, what it is that you want God to do in your life this semester. And let's pray and ask God to move. And so, that's what we did. I'm going to tell you, the things that happened that small group semester, I got to ask you, nothing short of amazing. We had one of the ladies in our small group, we were starting praying for her sister, and her sister, that semester of small group, got off of drugs and gave her life to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, her life was headed for destruction. Another family, um, another couple in our group, they'd had difficulty getting pregnant. And during that semester, she became pregnant, eventually carried the baby to full term, and her daughter is in our kids' ministry today. It's awesome. Another family um, were needing to replace a car, and totally unexpectedly, a close family friend gave them a check for $5,000 so that they could get a, uh, replace their car. Another guy in our small group had been trying to quit smoking since he was in junior high. That semester, he was finally able to break free. I'll tell you, it was awesome. All the stuff that we saw God do. And those things happened because we as a small group decided that we were going to take God at his word and that we were going to pray and ask him to move. And we didn't just pray, you know, one time. We prayed throughout the entire semester. It was the whole group praying that God would continually move these mountains, okay? And as a result, we all became very good friends, you know, because we're praying for each other. And we're cheering each other on, and we're celebrating every time God moves one of these mountains. And I, I think about the fact that, you know, what if, what if I hadn't been a part of that small group that semester? What if I had decided, gosh, I'm really busy. I mean, my schedule is packed. There's so much going on. I just don't think I have time to sign up for a small group this semester. I think about all that I would have missed. I mean, I would have missed out on making a lot of really good new friends. I would have missed out seeing God move mountains in people's lives. I mean, I would have missed a ton if I had not been a part of that small group that semester. You see, small groups are the other half of what we do here at Parkway Fellowship. Now, the first half happens on Sunday mornings here in the worship service and in the kids' ministry and the youth ministry. But that's only half of what we do here at this church. The other half happens in small groups. And if we're not in a small group, where are we going to make good Christian friends? Where are we going to see firsthand how God moves mountains? 
Where are we going to find people that are going to pray for us? Where are we going to go to get our questions answered and be able to dialogue with other people about you know, the things that we're learning in the Bible and how God operates in the world? Where are our kids and our teenagers, where are they going to make good Christian friends and find the places where they can ask questions and get their questions answered about God, Jesus, and the Bible? See, all of that happens in small groups, and it happens for adults, it happens for kids, it happens for teenagers. And being, as a, being a small group, that's not an idea that we came up with. That's not something that's you know, new and has just become the trend in American church in the last 20 years. The idea for small group actually started with the very first Christian church, right after Jesus Christ was resurrected and then ascended into heaven. In fact, it's what we read in the book of Acts that gives us the vision for what small groups are supposed to look like, how they function, and the reason why they're the other half of what we do here at Parkway Fellowship. So find your message notes, and let's look at this first verse in your notes together. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want you to underline the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship, I want you to underline the fellowship. To the breaking of bread, I want you to underline breaking of bread. And to prayer, I want you to underline the word prayer. Now, it's clear from the early church that they were committed to four things, okay? They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. Now listen, the presence of that definite article, the, means that they were talking about an entity. They were talking about the group of people that were meeting. The fellowship. They just hadn't started using the word church yet to describe themselves, okay? Third, they were committed to the breaking of bread. And fourth, they were committed to prayer. Those were the things that they were committed to. Now, I want you to notice something that I had never noticed before when I, until I started researching for this message today. I want you to look at the placement of the comma. Look at that. The, look at the placement of the comma. There's only one comma in this verse. Now normally when you and I, when we make a list, we're writing it out, normally what we do is we put a comma after every single thing in the list, right? But in this verse, there's only one comma and it's right in the middle. Well, we know from the from the original Greek text, and the New Testament was written in Greek, we know from how the sentence is structured that it's obvious that the first two items in the list, that the, the apostles' teaching um, and the fellowship, that they go together, and then the second two items in the list, the breaking of bread and prayer, that they go together. Okay, but why? I mean, aren't they all equally important? I mean, aren't all those things, things that God wants every Christ follower to do? I mean, why would they be grouped like that? Well, here's why, and these are your feelings. The first two activities happened in the temple. The second two activities happened in homes. The first two activities happened in the temple. The second two activities happened in homes. Now, how do we know this? Well, we know this from verse 46. Look what it says. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Okay, now hold on right there. Okay, remember 
the two things that happened in the temple courts, that was the apostles' teaching, and they gathered together as the fellowship, okay? Now, we know that the apostles had to teach in the temple courts, because look, there's only 12 of them. There's thousands of new believers, so there's no way they were teaching in homes. It just it wasn't even practical. And so the only area that would hold that many people at one time was the massive courtyard of the Temple Mount, and that's where the apostles taught. And then it says the second activity was the gathering of the fellowship. Remember, they just hadn't started using the word church yet, and the only place that all the believers could gather together in one place, again, was the massive courtyard of the Temple Mount, and they just called themselves the fellowship. They didn't know how else to describe it. Okay, and now look at the next part of the verse. It says this is they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Okay, now they broke bread in their homes and we know that they also prayed in their homes as well. Now, this doesn't mean that they didn't pray in the temple. Okay, they did. But what it does mean is they did something even more significant and um, more meaningful with prayer in their meetings in their homes. Okay, so are you starting to see how the very first church in the Bible was organized? Are you seeing it? You know, half of what they did was in the temple. It's where you know they were taught by the apostles. Okay, they gathered in a large group, and they—I mean—they just called it the fellowship because they hadn't, you know, started using the word church yet. But the second half of what they did was to meet in homes where they broke bread together. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. And they prayed together. Now, I don't know about you and what that sounds like to you, but to me, that sounds an awful lot like having a worship service and then having small groups. Uh, you know, we gather together as a large crowd on Sunday morning to hear great Bible teaching, okay? But instead, you get me. So, and then, and then we meet in small groups and homes. Now, we gather together in, in, in big church like this because it's important, and that's a significant thing to do. And we hear the teaching of the Bible, which is exactly what they did in the first century. So look, being committed to Sunday morning and making your family be here on a Sunday morning, that's really important for your spiritual life, Okay. But that's only half of what the early church did. And it's only half of what we do here at the park. The other half happens in small groups. And what happened in small groups in the early church was a big deal. And what happens in small groups here at the park is also a big deal, which begs the question, what am I supposed to do in a small group so that it becomes a big deal in my life as it did in the lives of those of the early church. Well, three things. Here's the first. Number one, I need to move past information and toward integration. I need to move past information and toward integration. Okay? Let me ask you, when these early Christ followers got together in homes, I mean, what is it you think they talked about? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they probably talked about, like, what happened on the weekend. They talked about, like, who won the latest round of chariot races. You know, how's my Gladiator Fantasy League doing and who's ahead, you know, that kind of thing. You know, they, they talked about, but after they got past all of that, what is it you think they talked about? Now, remember, they didn't have any kind of formalized Bible to go and study. So what do you think they talked about? Yeah, they talked about the stuff that the apostles were teaching them in the temple courts. Now look, here's the deal. They didn't just merely repeat what they heard. They weren't just regurgitating information. They took that information and they talked about how do we integrate that into our lives, into the daily, day-to-day living of our lives. And see, that's what made Christianity so attractive to thousands and thousands of people, literally every week. See, it it wasn't just a a new set of religious rules that needed to be kept. It was all about having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the new things they were learning about having that relationship was changing their lives because they were taking that new information and they were integrating it into how they lived every day day and it was transforming them in amazing ways now i i I think you know in the bible we read a lot of the about these incredible stories about how people's lives were totally transformed by jesus and i think that we mistakenly think that just because a person becomes a christ follower that their behaviors are automatically transformed okay that's just simply not true you know, we think that when somebody becomes a Christ follower that, you know, their life is it's just going to be automatically transformed, that it's, it's almost involuntary, that it's, um, it's just, it just magically happens, you know, kind of like when a, um, when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, you know, that transformation is, it's involuntary, it's um, automatic, it's, it's almost magical. Well, that works really, like, really great for caterpillars and butterflies, but it's not really so true of human beings, is it? That's not what happens for us. And so, for us to be transformed, we have to move past information and go to integration. Because look, here's the deal. There's some people that have been Christ followers for years. And they've never been transformed. Even though they might go to church, even though they might even take notes in church, they might listen to podcasts, they might do some Christian activities, their lives are just simply not transformed. You know why? It's because information always stops short of transformation. Information always stops short of transformation. Transformation only happens when we move from information towards integration and that information filters down into the day-to-day living of my life so how do i not miss that important step what can i do here's your feeling i need to ask this question how can i put this into practice in my life i need to regularly ask how can i put this into practice in my life see unless you get to this question it'll only remain information Now look, you might be motivated, you might be inspired, 
But unless you put what you learn into practice, there's never going to be any change in your life. And you're going to be frustrated because you just won't see God making much change in your life. You'll walk around and you'll be looking at other people's lives and you'll wonder, how is God so real in their life? Because he's just not that real in mine. Well, the reason is, is because you have to move past just gathering more information about God to integration, where you integrate those things into the changed behaviors of your life. That's when you and I are transformed. So, which means you've got to continually ask the question, how do I put this into practice in my life? Okay, small group leaders for adults, youth and kids, you need to continually ask the people in your small group, hey, how do we put this into practice in our lives? You need to continually keep that question in front of everybody in the group. And if you ask that question, then you will follow in the footsteps of the people of the first century church that went to small group. And at that point, your small group will become a really big deal in your life because God's using it as a big deal in your life. Okay? All right, number two. Second thing is this. I need to share beyond the surface. I need to share beyond the surface. Look what the Bible says in Acts 2, chapter 46. I mean, chapter 2, verse 46. It says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, I want you to underline the last two words, sincere hearts, okay? So, when it says that they broke bread together, that doesn't mean that, you know, they just tore into a bunch of breadsticks from Olive Garden, all right? I used to think that it meant that they took the Lord's Supper, but that's actually not what it means. When it says they broke bread, what it means is that the head of the household, whoever that was, would take the loaf of bread and would break it. And as that person broke the loaf of bread, they would say a blessing over the meal and everybody present, which, which is why the Bible says that they broke bread and then they ate. That's, why, that's what it's referring, to, it's referring to this custom, okay? And look, here's the deal. If there were guests at their meals, this would not be a short meal where, you know, everybody just ate their, you know, quick mutton taco on their way out to soccer practice, okay? That's not what they did. These would be long and involved meals, and they would be lengthy because they would take the time to get to know their guests. That was their culture. And look, just like you, you know, they talked and they shared and they told funny stories and they got to know each other. But at some point, they also got around to sharing what Christ was doing in their lives. That's what they did at their version of small group. And that's why it says that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now I want you to take this moment, I want you to look at that word sincere. Okay? And let's focus on that for a second. Because it means that people weren't faking it. You know, people weren't coming and pretending that they had it all together. 
They were sincere and genuine in their love and care for one another. And you can't do that if you're not real and honest about what's going on in your life. So look, when you're at small group, and most small groups serve a meal, by the way, when you're at small group, don't fake it. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be real. Be sincere. I remember a few semesters ago at small group, um, we were sitting down to you know, have our Bible study, and one of the guys in the group said, hey, I need to say something real quick. And he, did, he said this, he said, my wife has left me for another man. I mean, bam, there it was. And nobody in the group judged him. Nobody thought any less of him. Nobody, um, no, nobody thought anything ill, ill of him. In fact, everybody in that group that night really cared about him that much more. Because I'm telling you, the guy's heart was just breaking wide open right there in front of us. And all of that happened because he decided he was going to be real. He was going to be sincere. He wasn't going to try to you know, fake his way through small group that night. I'm telling you, it changed things. See, small group's a great place, not just for you to be real, it's a great place for your kids to be real, for your teenagers to learn to be real. It's a safe place for your kids and for your teenagers to ask questions about things that they have doubts about, or to ask questions about God where they're going to get an answer in a safe environment where they're not going to be judged or they're not going to be made fun of, and it's a safe place for them to sort all of that stuff out. Small group provides that kind of environment for them. So you need to make sure that your kids and your teenagers are signed up for a small group. And look, and here's the deal. When you go to small group, you need to make sure that you are real. So would you make a commitment that when you go to small group that you're going to be sincere, that you'll be genuine, that you'll be honest and get past the surface stuff? I mean, I, I know it might take a few weeks. Like, I get that. But would you make a commitment to get past the surface? Because here's the thing. When you're real in small group, then God can start going to work on the things that are big deals in your life and the lives of the other people in your small group. Okay, third thing they did, third thing, and that we need to do as well, is we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. Remember what our opening verse said? Our opening verse was Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves to, and let's just read this, the small group part. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So look, I don't want you to overlook how important prayer is. See, if you want to see mountains move, then get in a small group and start praying. Let your small group pray with you that God would move mountains in your marriage that he would move mountains in your kids' lives, that he would move mountains in your finances, that he would move mountains in your job, that he would move mountains in your health. You know, whatever mountain is that you need God to move, get together with your small group and start praying that God would move those mountains. But I'm telling you, it doesn't happen without prayer. And you never know what kind of mountains God is going to move when you get your small group praying together for him to move them. 
And I want you to look what happened as a result of people's commitment to do the things that we've talked today. In verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, it says, And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Daily people were becoming Christ followers. Daily. I mean, that's incredible. Why? Because they could see that people's lives were changing. They, they probably heard stories from neighbors or parents on their kids' soccer team or people that they worked with at whatever job that they had about the stuff that was going on in their lives, what was going on in their small groups, what was going on in the temple course. I mean, they heard about this kind of stuff. And they said, I want to be a part of some of that. Whatever it is that you have in your life, I want that in my life, and I need it. And so God was adding daily to the number of people that were being saved. So what about you? Has there ever come a time in your life when you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and pledge to follow him from that day forward? If you haven't, then you're not a Christ follower yet. But you can become one today. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes underneath the next steps. If you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to do that today here in just a few moments so that you can become a Christ follower too. Because maybe you've heard of the things that God's done in other people's lives and that's why you came today. But before I give you a chance to do that, let me kind of wrap it up today by saying this. I know that there's tons of things that are vying for your time and for your attention and for your focus and for your kids' time and for your teenagers' time. But look, here's the deal. The people in the New Testament made time to go to the temple courts and they made time to go to small group in people's homes because they realized it was vital to their spiritual growth. And you need to understand that most of these people were day laborers. I mean, that means that they were in the fields at dawn working, and they worked until night. And then they still made the time to do these types of things. I'm telling you, they realized how crucial it was for their own spiritual growth. I'm here to tell you, small group can be a huge catalyst to your own spiritual growth as well. If you will move past information and get to integration, if you will share beyond just the surface stuff, and if you will pray for the people in your small group. Because when you do those types of things, I'm telling you, God can move mountains and small group will become a really big deal. Bigger and better than you ever thought it could. So, find your connection card, and let's take some next steps together. Perhaps it's this first next step. Sign me up for a fall small group. There's a place to write a code. You, in the, inside that catalog, there's a code by every small group. Make sure that you write that code in that blank. And you need to sign up for a small group. I'm telling you, we've had a ton of people sign up for a small group already this semester. In fact, let's do this. If you or any member of your family is signed up for a small group right now here at Parkway Fellowship, raise your hand. Put it high in there. Put it way up there so everybody can see it. Look at that. That is most everybody in the room. All right, put them down. If you have not signed up for a small group yet, sign up for one. And sign your kids up for a small group. 
Um, that's the next blank. Sign my child or teenager for a fall small group. Now you need to write the name of your kid and their code. Okay. Now look, adult small groups start the week of the 21st. So we've got a little bit of time, a week and a half or so. And then, but kids and teenagers small groups start this Wednesday night. So you need to get your kids or teenagers signed up today. Sign up your whole family. All of you sign up for a small group. All right, next. I will move past information and focus on integration with the things I learned about following Christ. And that's not just a small group. That's here in the worship service. That's at any time. Whenever you learn, focus on integrating that in your life, not just gaining more information. All right, next. As a small group leader, so if you're leading an adult, kid, or youth small group, I will regularly pose the question, how can we put, in, how can we put this into practice in our lives? Would you ask that question regularly? As a small group leader, keep that question in front of your group. Next, I will be real and sincere with my small group, not fake. Would you do that? Would you be real and sincere with your small group, not fake? Next, I will pray for the people in my small group. When you go to small group, make a commitment to pray for them. Because you'll share prayer requests in small group. Make a commitment to pray for that. And then the last one, I will pray the prayer to become a genuine Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer to become a Christ follower, now is your time to do that. And make sure you check this box because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail to help you get started. So I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer. And I want to give everybody a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with whatever next step you've taken today. So right now, everybody bow your head, close your eyes, take these next moments and pray to God and ask him to help you follow through with these small groups, these steps today. Father, I want to say thank you that you've been using the vehicle of small groups to change lives literally for a couple of thousand years. And I ask that you would use it to change our lives as well. And so I pray in Jesus' name that this would be the most effective, spiritually life-changing small group semester we've ever had in the history of Parkway Fellowship. And Lord, for those families, those individuals that are on the fence, about whether they should or should not sign up. Lord, I ask that you would just prompt their heart right now to take a chance, to just jump out there and say, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and just see. And I ask that small group would become such a big deal to them that they would always sign up because of how you use it in their lives. And so I pray for all of us, adults, kids, teenagers, that you would use small group to change us as you have done for so many hundreds and hundreds of years and ask you to do this and bring us back safely next week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.